Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus himself said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. Anyone who has ever read the Bible or even learned Bible stories as a child has come into contact with numerous parables, which are stories that illustrate important lessons from the Scripture. We all probably have our favorites because parables are a rich component of God's Word to man. But in addition to the moral or lesson to be learned from the parables individually, the way they are combined and arranged in the Bible is also meaningful. That aspect will become especially clear as we come to three well-known parables in Luke 15. And Francis Paul has joined us for this fellowship today. Francis, good to have you as always. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here and get into these rich facts in the Bible. These uh, life study messages that touch these well-known parables, I know we experienced it when we touched the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now today we come to three parables, one of which is very well known, the parable of the prodigal son. But also in chapter 15 we find two others. Uh, and we want to see these somewhat as a group and then focus primarily on the first two of these three, Francis. But uh, to see the three as a group we're going to see is very meaningful today. So I thought I'd read at least a few of the verses uh, that summarize these parables best we can. We don't want to take too much time. Uh, but we're in Luke 15. I'm going to start at verse 4. Which man of you who has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Or what woman, now in verse 8, having ten silver coins, if she loses one silver coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I lost. And now verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he distributed to them his living. And not many days after, the younger son, having gathered everything together, went abroad to a distant country, and there squandered his estate by living dissolutely. Francis, here we have these three stories, these three parables. The first of a good shepherd who goes into the wilderness to find the one lost sheep. Then the second parable of a woman who loses a valuable coin and she lights a lamp and sweeps the house. And finally, of course, the prodigal son who goes off and squanders his full inheritance and then eventually comes to his senses and realizes what he's missing in his father's house. Uh, why these three parables grouped in such a way? Well, it's really a marvelous uh, fact to see that these three parables 
really are experiential. They're according to our experience. We were really in the wilderness, a lost sheep. I don't know about the 90 and 9, but I know about the lost one. <laughs> and uh, and the Lord Jesus is the one who, as the Son of God, he came to find this lost sheep. And uh, this is something that was done for us outside of us in an outward way. We're in the wilderness, and we need to be found. And he, the Lord Jesus, is the is the seeking one that goes after the lost one. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reminded of a fact that uh, someone explained one time to a person who was just regretting so much to be a sinner and s- seemed so hopeless. And then the, uh, the person talking to him said, well, you have to realize that God only saves sinners. Mm-hmm. So this is a very good parable for us to see, that we were out in the wilderness, lost, and the Lord Jesus came and found us. Not only that, he died for us, right? and he paid a price for us that was altogether not our doing, but his doing alone. But the fact that these come in this kind of sequence, the son, that is the good shepherd, coming after the the sheep, and then uh, the woman sweeping the house. The house is significant here because we'll see in this message, I believe, the significance of the house And these two going together so much really open up our experience as we met the Lord when we were out in the wilderness. Well, Francis, I think as you have begun to open this up and now as we join Witness Lee, what will become clear is that the three here correspond to the three persons of the Trinity, one parable matching the Son, one parable matching the Spirit particularly, and of course uh, the Father very clear in the parable of the prodigal son returning to his father and his father's house. So to see the marvelous triune God presented, as you said, as he matches and meets us in our experience is really uh, a blessing. I think our listeners are in store for a real treat today. Mm -hmm. Let's join Witness Lee. In these three parables, first of all, we should see the Trinity. When I was young, I was told very much about uh, the loving father, how he receives the prodigal son, and uh, about uh, the good shepherd. But none of them had ever pointed out that in this chapter there are three parables. Each one refers to one of the three in the divine trinity. It is so clear The shepherd refers to the son, and the fine woman refers to the finding spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the father refers to our Heavenly Father. The three of the Trinity here are clearly depicted. The first one that was mentioned is not the father. Here, It doesn't go in the sequence as it is in Matthew 19, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here it goes, firstly, with the Son as the Shepherd. Then, secondly, with the Spirit as the fine woman. Lastly, it goes with the Father as the Father who loves us and receives us. It begins with the Son, through the Spirit, and into the Father. 
And this sequence is exactly the same as it is in Ephesians 2.18. It says, In him in the Son, and through the Spirit, unto the Father. There, it says, we do have an access. The access is, firstly, in the Son, and secondly, through the Spirit, eventually, unto the Father. This is our access into the Triune God, in the Son, through the Spirit, and unto the Father. Francis, uh, how wonderful is it to have such a guide to uh, lead us through the Scripture? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, my. Marvelous. Tremendous. We've got these three parables uh, arranged, not just to show us the triune God, but even in the right sequence, the sequence that matches our experience. And uh, as he was talking there, I looked up the verse in Ephesians he was referring to, chapter 2, verse 18, and there it says, For through him we both have, him meaning the Son, we both have access in one spirit unto the Father. So experientially, for our access, we need this particular order, don't we? It really is marvelous to see this order and even to see the order that the scriptures point out in the triune God. In so many different places, you see a different, apparently a different order. But this order is really according to our experience. Right. That we brought to the Son by the Son coming to us as the Good Shepherd. And we're stirred up within to uh, come to the Father by the Spirit who's within us. And then, eventually, we're really welcomed by the Father into his house. Mm -hmm. This is a marvelous sequence and a very experiential sequence. Then, as you trace the triune God even all the way to the end, you see, when you get to Revelation, there's a different sequence. And then the Spirit comes second, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And so there's a reason for these things, but particularly in this one. This is the experiential sequence that we need to see today. Um, Francis, uh, we want to spend a little time in the next two sections looking at the first two parables primarily, uh, the parable of the Good Shepherd, and we will see uh, something related to the wilderness. And then you pointed out earlier on today, and I would just draw our uh, listeners' attention to it a little bit, uh, a matter of the house in the second parable, the woman searching this small room, really. Mm -hmm. uh, It happens within. So the first uh, parable depicting the sun coming to us, it uh, takes place out in the wilderness, and that corresponds to, of course, our being in the world. And then the second parable, the woman now within does some searching with the lamp. That's right. And this we will really see in our experience uh, matches the Spirit's work in us, doesn't it? It really does. And that Spirit working in us like a sweeping woman in her house seeking for a silver coin that she's lost. And that silver coin, silver in the Bible, it's a very good type of redemption. Yes. And uh, if you get into the Old Testament, you see the silver is the redemption price that the children of Israel had to pay a half shekel of silver. Mm. So here, the silver is what the sweeping woman is seeking for, something inside, deep inside, and she's sweeping the house. She's not sweeping to stir up the dust. She's sweeping to find the silver coin, and that's the way the Spirit is. The Spirit is really seeking out in us to alert us to all the, the inward things that we've gotten lost. We were lost in the wilderness when the shepherd found us, 
but we've been lost in ourselves too, lost in our thoughts, lost in our emotions, and lost in our sin. But the Spirit comes in to really stir us up, Hmm. to help us to realize where we are and to stir in us a desire not to be there. So the sun's finding us in the wilderness really points us to our redemption. We'll see that the sweeping spirit who is working within brings us to a point of repentance. Yes. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In God's salvation, practically speaking, according to the actuality, the Father doesn't come, but the Son comes. Why? The Son comes to accomplish redemption. The first need is the redemption, and redemption is the foundation of our salvation. The redemption accomplished by Christ's death and the cross is the real base of God's salvation. So foundation has to be laid, then you can belong. This is why the sin comes first, and the sin is firstly portrayed as the good shepherd. After the sin accomplishing the redemption, then we know in Acts, the Spirit comes. In the four gospel, the sin comes to accomplish redemption, and after accomplishment of redemption, in Acts, the Spirit comes to find us, to get us. And then... Because of the spiritual finding, we repent, and then we come back to God. Now the Father is here, waiting for our coming back. By this you can see what a wonderful sequence, not according to the person of the Trinity, but according to the steps, how this redemption resulting in salvation has been accomplished. Firstly, by the Son, secondly, through the Spirit, and eventually, into the Father. Well, Francis, uh, I think it's important now to point out that this not only matched our experience, but there's a reason for that. It matched our experience because these are the steps that God must carry out in his salvation, aren't they? Yes, they are. As Brother Lee pointed out, without the shepherd dying for the sheep, as in John chapter 10, there's no way for him to seek us out. But because he died for us, then he has a way to seek us out in the wilderness. And he does this by his own seeking coming after us. We were lost in the wilderness, and he pointed out this is the world. And really, I realize that uh, people can hear that truth and recognize that fact that Christ did come as the good shepherd to seek them out when they were in the world. And they believe that fact, and that's, that's a step. But that really is short of really experiencing God's salvation because we need the sweeping woman in the second parable what the Spirit, who is represented by the woman there, what the Spirit is doing is stirring in us a realization inwardly where we really are, right. where we're really lost. Right. A person can believe in Christ's death and yet not have a realization of where he is. And it's then it's just something objective without any real experience of salvation. But when they believe in Christ's death with a working of the Spirit within them, showing them where they are, and uh, in their mind, in their emotion, 
in their will. They're just lost in this whole setup within us. And then even our conscience. So when the Spirit operates, He operates deeply within us to bring us to a real repentance and cause us to say, what am I doing here? Lord, save me. Not only you died for me, I really need to be saved by, yes. by your death and by the Spirit's operation. Uh, I think as we ponder back a little bit to our own experience, when the Lord found us as the shepherd in the world, we had a realization that we had been found, but not until, as you said, and we're going to spend uh, more time in this third segment, uh, particularly on this point, but as the Spirit begins at this deeper inward work, do we really become convinced Mm -hmm. that we are lost? We really need to be found. And that is what brings about this repentance or this complete change of mind, which is what the Greek word really means. Mm -hmm. Without that, it's really just a mental ascending, ascending to what the Bible says and what the history tells us, that Christ did die for us as sinners. But just to believe that in our mind is not nearly adequate enough to save us inwardly. So the Spirit really operates inwardly to bring us to a full realization we need to repent and we need to turn back. Well, we've talked now a little bit uh, in previous sections and uh, just now, and we want to focus particularly in this last section on the two different kinds of being lost, to be lost in the wilderness without, Mm -hmm. uh, but this other being lost, which is really where most of us find ourselves and where most of us have the greatest difficulty, and that is to be lost within. Mm-hmm. And that will become clear, I think, as uh, we get into this last section. Yeah. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In Luke chapter 15, hallelujah, the sin came to the wilderness. What is wilderness? That is the world. The entire world today in the eyes of God is a wilderness to get everybody lost. If you are home, you can never be lost. But the sin came to the world where we are to seek us. And his way to seek us is to die for us. If he does not die for us, he has no way to seek us out. You know, in John 10 says quite well, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So, the shepherd's work is to die for us. And the fine woman, her job, or her work, is to enlighten your heart, enlighten your mind, enlighten your inward being, carefully, bit by bit. First, enlighten your mind, then enlighten your emotion, then enlighten your will, and then enlighten your conscience, and then enlighten your entire heart. Then you got found. Not by yourself, but by the finding and enlightening spirit. Then you wake up. Then you say, stupid, that I'm here. Why I need to be here? You see, you got wake up. Not by yourself, but by the enlightening of the finding spirit. And this finding is not in wilderness, nor on the cross, but in your heart. Right in your heart. You know, the repentance is a matter in our mind to have a change 
of our mind in the direction of our life. And this is something within us. Right? Something within us. No human being, nor the angel, can do such a work within us, so subjectively, right, inside of us. Only the penetrating spirit is able to penetrate into the depths of our being, into the very center of our being. Then we got enlightened, we got exposed, we got to know how stupid we are, and we repent, and we make a decision to come back to the Father. Well, I can relate to uh, almost all that he said here, Francis, especially the part about waking up and realizing how stupid I've been. Right, I can Uh, say the same. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about experientially this inner working. I I thought his first point in that section about how I think even the Lord allows us to get lost in the wilderness so that we have a or begin to have a sense that we need to be found. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really the, the main item here is this inner working that's accomplished by the Spirit that we're focusing on now, isn't it? Yes, this working of the Spirit within us is very, very subjective, and it really touches where we're in the darkness. Yes. And nobody is more in darkness than the one who thinks he sees. And only the Spirit can really do this digging within us and this enlightening within us so that we realize where we really are. We were not just lost in the wilderness. That was one thing. And we could sometimes come to the realization of that pitiful condition just because everything goes wrong, and we eventually cry out to the Lord to do something. With the inward darkness and with the inward turmoil, really need the Spirit as a sweeping woman coming in and and enlightening and digging into the deepest part of our being and showing us how we really are lost within. And he begins to show us what we are and what we need. And so we We are brought to the place where our mind begins to consider, what am I doing here? What is happening to me? I need to repent. And this kind of repentance is the work of this spirit that's within us that only he can do. Then he brings us to repentance, and we cry out to him, we open up to him, and we take the cleansing that the Lord provides for us, and we are really set free from this darkened condition. Don't you uh, love God's Word when it's opened up like this? Amen. This is so sweet, so enjoyable, and so uh, experiential. And we realize the wisdom of God is so profound, and His Word is uh, infathomable. There's no bottom to it. The riches just go on and on, and uh, each layer gets peeled back, and we realize, uh, boy, we really didn't see that much before. But now we have the Good Shepherd finding the lost sheep, which is redemption. We have the Spirit sweeping and digging work within to bring us to a genuine repentance. And of course, this leads us to the returning and being received so warmly into the Father's great house. Amen. Uh, Wonderful progression, isn't it? That's right. Francis, uh, we have a wonderful time whenever you're able to drop by and be with us. And uh, so I hope you'll do so again very soon. I'd like to very much. I enjoy this time. Well, we hope and trust that you have uh, not just enjoyed this life study message, but that you have been touched within again and had your love for the Lord and your love for his word rekindled, Mm -hmm. uh, which is our case, I think, nearly every time we touch this ministry in such a way. 
And uh, if that has been your case, we have some resources that we would like to pass on to you. Of course, the printed life study messages, uh, where these matters are opened up in greater detail and in real depth in a way that allows you to get into it for yourself and examine it. Uh, I would also recommend the recovery version of the New Testament, the footnotes that accompany this passage. Some of the 9,000 footnotes that are in the recovery version uh, are, again, invaluable to help you. So to find out about those resources and many other things that we have available at Living Stream, we hope you'll call us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Paul, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.